Welcome back to today's episode of the 76 Capital Leadership Series. My name is Ty Jackson, and as always, we have a great episode for you today. 76 Capital's managing partner, Wayne Kimmel, sits down with the most sought-after NBA trainer, Rob Mack. Rob has worked with some of the league's biggest stars, including Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook, and Kevin Durant, and shares some of his insights from working with the league's best. This episode is brought to you by Rush Order Tees. RushorderTees.com has been Philadelphia's number one customer apparel company since 2002. Whether you need one or a thousand shirts, Rush Order Tees can handle any order on any deadline. Start designing online today in their online design studio or give them a call at 1-800-620-1233. That's RushorderTees.com, Philadelphia's home for custom apparel. Welcome to the 76 Capital Leadership Series. My name is Wayne Kimmel, and I'm your host and managing partner of 76 Capital, and we have a really exciting show today. We have a great guest, but before we get to that, as you know, at our 76 Capital Leadership Series, we're all about bringing on the entrepreneurs, the investors, the athletes, and, and all of the personalities within the sports industry who are doing truly the next, next thing. And that's what we're all about at 76 Capital. And that's what this show is all about. And we're super excited to have, you know, a great guest today. Also, just want to make sure to do a shout out to James back at the station, James Santor, at James Santor. Definitely follow James. He's a great follow. You can follow me at, at Wayne Kimmel um, all over the internet, as well as at 76 Capital is where you can find out about all the things that we do at 76 Capital. And if you're an entrepreneur who's truly doing the next, next thing in sports, we are interested in talking with you. We want to hear from you. Please reach out to us, whether that's on, you know, directly via email or through Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or, or LinkedIn. We want to hear about what you're doing and what's next. That's what we're all about at 76 Capital. So let's get right to it. We have a great guest today. We have Rob McClanahan. As everyone knows, if I'm in, if I'm in, is, knows him as Rob Mack. Rob is a basketball trainer for the stars, for the top players in the NBA, whether that's Derek Rose, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, John Wall, Steph Curry, Kevin Love. You know, all the top, top players out there have all worked with Rob. That is what is amazing about uh, having Rob on this show. We're super excited to have you. Rob is also a 2001 Syracuse grad and the author of the book Network, you know, training the NBA's best and finding the keys to greatness and has an incredible forward in that book by Steph Curry. So with that, Rob, welcome to our show. Thanks, Wayne. I really, really appreciate you having me on. And, um, you know, it's it's been a while since I saw you. I was hoping I'd see you more, but you know, last time I saw you was in a pre-pandemic. So, uh, hopefully, this ends soon and we can, you know, get to hang out again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you look great, Rob. It's good to see you. You look like you got a little bit of a tan going there now, and yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll be able not be in a situation where we all get together again and and uh, you know get back to normal. But it's been a it's been a crazy time. Well, look, one of the things that we do on our 76 Capital Leadership Series, and what's what's so exciting about this is the fact that we get to talk with individuals like you. And one of the things we love to do is really hear your story, the the Rob Mack backstory. So if you could kind of take us from the beginning, you know, where, where you grew up, kind of what you did, what you were like as a kid, what you did, and, and then we'll come up to the point where you really, you know, then went to become you know, Rob back the, the trainer for the stars of the NBA. 
Yeah, no problem. So I'm um, from Rhode Island, Cranston, Rhode Island. Uh, went to all boys Catholic high school, played ball there. And my whole dream was, you know, to play the Big East. I mean, I grew up watching the Friars when Bettina was the head coach. Billy Dunham was a player. You know, Daryl Coleman, Ronnie Cycli, you know, UConn, Chris Mullen, yada, yada. So uh, I, my dad had front row tickets. So I'm there. I'm there every game thinking this is what this is what basketball is. Right. So my dream was playing college and I wasn't going to play Division One. So I got some D2, D3 offers, and I decided, you know what, I'm smart enough to get into Syracuse. I'm going to go to Syracuse, and I'm going to easily get on the team, right? Like, no brainer, right? So I get to Syracuse, I'm 5'10", 5'11", the most, you know, 145, soaking wet. And, you know, they have tryouts. They're supposed to have tryouts for everybody, just just a, a rule you're supposed to do it. So, But I worked out with the team. I asked Coach. I, I finally got in touch with Coach Beheim after about, I don't know, 20, 25 phone calls, going to the office. What do you want? What do you? I said, can I work out with the team? And they said, work out with the team. We do everything every morning, preseason, 6 a.m. I said, I want to do that. And he goes, then again, 4 p.m. I said, I want to do that. He goes, doesn't mean you're going to make the team. I said, all right. So I did all that. I thought that was nuts and um, didn't make the team. And I said, what do I need to do You know, this summer? He said, put on 30 pounds, uh, grow, and get better at basketball. So, so I put on, I put on 28 pounds. I grew about three and a half inches and I worked on my game every single day. And I worked on the team again that preseason and he, and he put me on the team. And that point I was the only walk on and um, he respected he was a walk on himself. And, and, and it's funny, but you know, my whole thing is we'll get into it is a networking thing, as you know. And before I even knew I was networking, I was what it was. I was networking because my whole goal was to coach at division one college. That's what I wanted to do. And so I figured if I can get on this team, play or not, I'm still going to have that connection of what Jim Beheim, the assistant coaches, you know, the alumni players, what have you. So before I even knew what it was, I was kind of doing it. And that's what happened. I, you know, I went to my senior year, um, a great relationship with all the coaches there. And then when the season ended, Coach Beheim made a call to Seth Greenberg, who was a South Florida at the time. I said, I got a guy here, young guy, uh, persistent, you know, does what he's told and works hard, loves the, loves the game and wants to coach. Can he take him on as a GA or ops guy? He goes, stop. Never even met Seth Greenberg. He just hired me through Bayheim. Um, so that worked out well. I didn't really like coaching that, that much after all that. And then, um, the, but the, the irony is being so, a so, so Rob, so Rob real, real quick, just move, yeah. moving back. I mean, it's, you have such an amazing story and you've been, you've been able to reach out to so many people. And that's why we wanted to have you on our 76 Capital Leadership Series. But going back a little bit, you know, going back to the point where you're at Syracuse, you finally, you know, what is your sophomore year is when you were able to yeah. get onto the team, walk onto the team. So who were some of the players on the team at that time? And what was your role as a walk-on? Like, what what did you do? You know, as you know, you kind of you probably knew you weren't going to get into games. You know, at least it, unless it would some. You know, and I'd love to hear unless when you did do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's up forty. You know, um, yeah. I mean, Jason Hart. You know, uh, he played in the league for a long time. He's now the associate head coach at USC. Ethan Thomas was a lottery pick. Um, uh, Damone Brown, Preston Shepard, Tony Bland. Um, we sweet sixteen twice. Ryan Blackwell. Um, we had a very good team. We lost our juniors our best best year, uh, my junior year, to Michigan State. Here they won it. We played we played them in Detroit. It wasn't that fair, but we didn't do. Um, and my role was, you know, to 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 make everyone better. And, and the funny thing is, with two of the walk-ons, and and they play hard in practice, but they kind of didn't push the guys enough. They were kind of like, I know my role, and I was the opposite. I'm trying to I'm trying to play. I was a little cocky, and I would talk smack, and the coaches loved it. And so he started playing me on the second second team in practice 
And because, you know, I pushed a guy to talk smack. You know, if a guy talked to me, I was like, oh, oh it's okay, scholarship player. You know, well, it just wasn't like that. And um, the coach loved it. And by my senior year, I was actually playing it in the first half of some of these games, tie game. Um, so, you know, it was only a minute or two to give a guy a breather, but I was still doing it. Um, so, yeah, and my sophomore year, Coach Bayham saw how I worked and how I helped the team, and he decided to take me on every road trip, which no work on that has ever done there at that point. Um, so that was kind of cool. And, uh, you know, I went from being potential, just having a college life, spring breaks and all that, to really having no life, but, but hoop. And I, but it was, you know, all worth it for sure. That's amazing. It's amazing. And again, it's, 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 um, it's exciting to hear the stories because look, so many young people and, and people who have, you know, want to know like what it's, what's it like, you know, to be on a team like that. And, and as you said, you, you were able to prove and work hard and, and make it to the point where, you know, you weren't just the bench guy, but didn't really didn't play. But you were getting into games your senior year that that really mattered, right? And 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 also yeah. developing those relationships. And I'm and sure that was a, that's part of I know that in the, the future of what you were able to do. But you know the kind of the relationships that you were able to build with the the other players oh, yeah. on your team and the res, and the respect that I'm sure they they had for you as well. Oh yeah, big time. I mean, and and the irony is Ethan Thomas, who was a lottery pick on that team, um, he was older than me. Uh, he was a senior when I was a junior. I ended up training him seven years later. You know, so who would have thought his, his you know, his little walk-on that was his buddy on this team would be his trainer in, in one year down in Florida. Um, and the assistant coaches were great. So I got lucky. I mean, Troy Weaver was assistant coach. He's now the GM of the Pistons. In the past 10 years, he was assistant GM of the Thunder. You know, I trained Durant Westbrook, so that was kind of cool. Mike Hopkins was my assistant all four years. And now he's the head coach of University of Washington. Uh, and Louis Orr was there. Louis Orr became the head coach of Seton Hall. You know, so I, I right away, you know, five years after college, I had all these connects. I had head coaches, I had GMs, I had, you know, so I had guys in the NBA that were my teammates. Um, so I got lucky with that, and obviously I had Coach Bayham. And it came kind of full circle. I started training all the guys for the Olympic team in 08. Um, Bayham was an assistant coach. And it was kind of cool to all of a sudden collaborate with him, working with these top players in the world, and he's an assistant coach, and I'm there. Trained his guys, you know. He's that type of guy that gave me a hug and I'm so proud of you. But I, I, I know, I know he was. You know, it was kind of cool to come full circle and kind of work with him with the Olympic team. Well, I have to ask you on that, Rob. I mean, what was it like? So the 2008, you know, Olympic team. You know, maybe share with share with our audience here on our Seven Six Capital Leadership Series some of the some of the players on the team and and what you were what you were doing as you were training them. Yeah, it was, it was more towards actually the 12 Olympics, and it was it was all those guys. It was. Um, you know, it was Westbrook, it was Love, uh, it was Durant. Um, at that point, LeBron was on the team. You know, it was just in practice. I had full access to practice in Vegas. And um, and then when they're on the road a little bit, you know, pre-Olympics, when they traveled to, you know, play exhibition games all around the country. And it was really cool just to, you know, not only train those guys, but have my head coach, Coach Beheim, kind of peeking over and, and watching the workouts, you know. And even he said, he goes, man, how, how did you – how do we all get here? What What is this? You know, it was, it was really, really funny because – of all the guys that he coached, some guys went on to play in the NBA, some guys went on to do other business things, and here's this walk on kind of work with him <laughs> with the USA Olympic team. So you mentioned earlier in high school and in freshman year in, in at Syracuse, you were 5'10. Yeah. Um how tall are you now? Yeah, I'm about six six two and a half, six three. See, so he, he somehow Bayheim helped you grow, right? He got, he got helped you. me grow. Yeah, I put on 20 pounds of muscle in one summer. And um, I know so the muscle, life, 
the grow the, your growth that was is that's amazing. But at the same time, at six two, right, you're training guys like Kevin Love and Durant who are close to seven feet, right? If yeah. not seven feet each. Oh, yeah, Kevin is seven feet. Yeah, Durant. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin seven. What's Love's? What six ten? Yeah, about that. Yeah. And so how, how do you at that, at your height train those guys? And, and I've seen, you know, I've seen pictures and I've seen videos of you actually working these guys out. How do you do that at your size? And, and, and what's, how does that work? Yeah, it's a valid question. Um, I don't know. I, it's just day one. I kind of just kind of started bumping them and hitting them. And, and it's funny because I would, you know, we played two, three zone at Syracuse. And I always said, if you can score on me, we got problems here, you know? Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, I, trust me, after, after a day of workouts with those guys, I'm dead. I mean, my body was aching in, in LA after you know, six hours of training because they do one hour, they're gone. I, I got another guy coming in, you know. Um, you know, so I, I would definitely get in there, talk smack. And listen, I think the main thing the respect came from was because I didn't really treat them like, a, like an NBA player, I, I, I treated them like a friend. Um, a, a client, but also someone that I held accountable. I think their whole life they had a lot of yes men around them, still do. You know, whatever they wanted went. If I'm late, it's okay. Um, and that was the opposite. And you would think maybe you would, they would react differently. Like, who do you think you are? You know, Kevin Durant. But they were the opposite. They were like, finally, finally someone's treating me like a normal human being. If someone, finally someone was saying, be on time. And so the, the irony was kind of weird because, you know, you would think they would like the opposite. Like, I'll do what I want. You're my trainer where you work for me, but it was they wanted someone to tell them, hey man, you were terrible today to work out. You didn't work hard or whatever it was, you know. Um, so that that really helped me. And for some reason, that's just kind of how I approached it. And I don't know if I the Syracuse stays and how I knew those guys were just normal people, and they are just normal guys have problems like us and still go home and go to bed at night. And um, and that's kind of how I approached it. I didn't approach it like a like a client trainer relationship ever. It was always a, a friendly, friend relationship that was honest with them and, and they liked that. Well, certainly, I think that's something that's that's really important. I mean, it's, it's one of the things that, you know, whether that's in sports or in business, look, we're all we're all human beings, right? I mean, whether it's you know an entrepreneur who's trying to build his business into a billion dollar company and has an opportunity to talk with a billionaire, they're they're human beings too, right? I mean, yeah, whether it, yeah. you know it's a, a seven foot NBA player like Duran who can who can do it all. Um, yeah. Or it's just you know he, he's a person too, right? And and I think that's if you're authentic and if you're you're able to really um, you know talk with them as if they're as you said like human beings, and you know that's it's it's way the way you develop relationships. Exactly, yeah. and then other guys that weren't at their level, you know, playing wise, they might have been a sixth man or a tenth man or whatever it is, and they were the opposite, you know, and they were like, I'm gonna do what I want, I'm gonna show up whenever I want, I'm not gonna work, as, I'm gonna work hard if I want, I'm gonna stay up late if I want. And I was like, that, that's fine, but I'm just telling you what, what these guys do. And those guys end up being, you know, maybe out of the league or making, you know, three million instead of they could have made 20, whatever it was. Um, and then you saw the standard of players like the Kevin Durant, so it was like always the road who came in every single day and got after it. And if they were going to be late, they'd call me and I'm sorry, five minutes late. You know, the guys would just show up 9.30 instead of 9 without even giving me a heads up. And and those guys aren't in the league anymore. So it's not, it's not a coincidence. Well, we're here with Rob McClanahan, as everyone knows, um, Rob Mack. He's at Rob Mack NBA on Twitter. Definitely a great follow. Please reach out to him on, on, on social media and reach out to him. He's the basketball trainer for guys like Derek Rose, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, John Wall, Steph Curry, Kevin Love. I mean, 
all the top, top players, as well as the author of Network. And, and you know, one of the things I think, Rob, I'd love to, to get into is, you know, the, you know, when you think about all of these greats that you, whether it's the Steph Curry's, the Kevin Durant's, um, they all have, I think you'll, you would say, you know, some similar traits. What are some of the things that they, they all seem to do or have to kind of make them successful and get to the level that they, they're all at today? Um, yeah, one, one thing is they, they invest in their craft. Um, you know, by that, I mean, they have a nutritionist, they have, you know, a strength coach, they have a guy like me, they have people around them that are helping them do the stuff with their body and they invest in that. Um, you see other guys that don't want to invest in that, but they want to go buy three cars or they want to go buy, you know, a private, you know, 10 private, private flights, you know, whatever it is. And they don't want to invest in that. And early on, I saw that, you know, and you know, LeBron came out a few years ago saying he spends $2 million a year on his body. But, you know, that's made him a billion dollars. You know, Russell Wilson, about a million. Kevin Love, I don't know what it is, but I know a good amount. Um, and that's important. You know, and I always say my main motto is when these guys come in the league, it's not you're not just a pro of basketball anymore. Now you're you have to live like a pro. So it's not just working out with me, lifting, doing yoga. That's not it. It's, it's getting the right amount of sleep. It's who you're putting around your circle. Uh, it's it's what are you doing at night? What are you eating at night? How late are you eating? What are you supposed to eat? How you take care of your body to live like a pro? And that's just what it is. You just work out with me and you go lift and that's it. And then you're doing whatever you want till four in the morning. You get up at night. It's not going to sleep till noon, whatever it is. That's, you can't do that. And it's a sacrifice. That's what it is. But that's what you chose to do. So um, those guys that have been so successful in that is what I've seen. And I have a great story about Kevin Durant that's in the book. You know, we, we flew from um, L.A. to Paris for a Nike trip. And we had to stop and refuel, I think, in New York, Tidabor or something. And um, something wrong with the plane. So we had to get a new plane. It was an eight-hour delay to feed the whole purpose of the private private plane. So we got a new plane, waited for it. And we landed in Paris around 11 p.m. local time. And we're wide awake because we're, like, in L.A. time. We had to slept or whatever. So we're, like, wide awake. And Kevin says to me on the little sprinter bus, he says, hey, let's get a work on it. I said, yeah, no problem, Danny, and tomorrow. You know, we got a gym. No, right now. I'm like, dude, we just landed. The, the night people are going to be so tired. He's like, dude, I'm wide awake. I want to get a workout in. I'm like, okay. So I told the Nike people, I'm like, you better get your guy, Jim. He wants to work out right now. They're like, you got to be kidding me. So we found a gym. I think I, I think it was Tony Parker's like club team gym. And, um, you know, when he was a kid or whatever. So we ended up finding a gym. And I told the story before. It's one of the best workouts I've ever seen in my life from anybody. And we just went out 15 minutes, hard as hell, ran up the plane in Paris. He didn't miss a shot. And, then, you know, that workout did not make him a better NBA player, that one workout. But when you do that every single week, every single day of your life, that's it's going to add up. You know, and like that workout wouldn't have meant anything. You know, but he does that every single day, you know. And other guys would be like, Paris? We just landed in Paris. We're private jet. Let's, let's go party. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so that's just, that's just who he is. And a lot of times, a lot of times I had to – Beg Kevin to take a day off, please. Like tone it down. You're going too hard. You're going too much. And I've I've always said I'd rather turn a guy down, turn him up. Um, you know, but but that's a good example of why why he's one of the best of all time. That's an he's, incredible. He's never, he's, never, he's, he's never satisfied. You know. That's amazing. I mean, so you know, kind of breaking it down and maybe a little bit further. Like, what does yeah. it mean? What does it mean? You know, you talk about an hour and fifteen minute workout. What what happens? You know, like I, the guy shows up, and 
you know, you roll the ball out and then what, what are some of the things that you do with these guys? Yeah, we get a quick warm up in and we start a little light. Um, but a guy like Kevin, you know, he, he goes from zero to hundred really fast. Other guys don't, don't need 15 minutes to get loose, get going a little bit, but he starts off right away. Um, and we just, you know, I'll, I'll pick kind of what we're going to work on that day, whether it's, you know, that, you know, transition stuff or post stuff or, you know, three point shooting stuff or the dribble stuff. Um, and we just go and it's, it's a guy like that. And it's extremely intense. And sometimes Kevin will go 15 minutes, no water rate, just, just bang, 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 Rob, what's, what's next, what's next, what's next. And, and he, he's so efficient in the workout. I mean, usually every drill, I'll say make four or five shots per drill. And sometimes, you know, most of the time it's four for four. So it's like, I got to be on my stuff and next drill, next drill. Other guys, I have eight, eight, nine shots to figure out the next drill. Um, but with him, it's like, what's next? What's next? What's next? And he just wants to get in, get out. And that's what I love. My workouts are not three hours long, not four hours long. I love the guys that say, oh, yeah, man, I'm a gym rat. I was in the gym six, seven hours. And I'm like, could be working that hard if you're in the gym that long. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, everybody's different. But I try to make it like a game, like a half hour hard like a three-minute water break, like a halftime, and then 30 minutes to end it. And I always finish the workout much harder than I started. That last five minutes, seven minutes is much harder than the beginning of the workout. And I kind of approach it like a fourth quarter. You know, if you if you can't give me those last five, seven minutes now in a workout by yourself, how are you going to do it in game six of the, of the finals? You know, it's four minutes left, you know. So that's kind of way I, I always finish much harder than I started. And you know that that's that's a really incredible to hear. I mean, and what about from a competitive perspective? I mean, do you you know how how competitive are when you're dealing with someone like? I mean, you just you look at a Russell Westbrook, right? I mean, you kind of just you almost see like on his face, like he's just gonna right. dunk on you, right? I mean, like how competitive are these guys? Oh, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I was very very lucky to have Westbrook and D Rose work out together for a good three or four straight summers and something and most of the time Kevin Love actually be in that workout too. Um and it's 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 funny when Derek and Russell worked out together it was they were very good friends and we always hung out after the workout at dinner at night. But within the workout, it would be cool and they walk in the gym with something man, but you could see like Derek could make three or four in a row, Russ would be like, okay. Then, you know, he made three or four in a row, then I do with something at the rim, like and I just you know finish at the rim, dunk lay whatever you want. And Derek would do something crazy, and Russ would be like, "Oh, okay." But then he would try to show him up. It became, I would say, like it became a workout and a competition within the workout, like a very subtle one. And those are some of the best workouts I've ever been involved in my life. Guys like that, because there was nonstop. And if Derek was, you know, tired one morning, you know, Russell would show up, and Russell would go hard, and Derek would be like, "Well, well I got to go hard now." It, it would rise him up, and vice versa. If Russell maybe was tired that morning, or just got up a flight or something. Derek was high energy. Russell was like, "Man, I got to pick it up. It's gonna make me look stupid," you know. So, it, it was really good to have those guys work together because they, they definitely push each other, got each other better. Well, we've certainly been saying, you know, and, I, and I, I've said, you know, working out the guys, but you also have worked out a number of professional female um, and, and women basketball yeah. players as well, right? Yeah. Um, and who are, who are some of the women that you've you've worked with and helped help their game? Yeah, Candace Parker. Um, you know, when she, when she had her baby, um, about two weeks after she had a baby, she said, "I want I want to get back." This was like May, and uh, like you no, know, ten years ago or something. I said, "I don't know the playbook for this. <laughs> I don't have. I never worked a, a woman out two weeks after she had a baby, especially one that's six foot four and athletic." I was scared to death, you know, with the hips and all that stuff. I didn't know. And um, 
So just work me out. You know, and I met her through her husband at the time, Sheldon Williams, who was in Atlanta Hawks, fourth pick of the draft or something. And so I started working her out every day. And, you know, and it was a nice six-week stint of just, just getting her ready for the, for the season. And after six weeks, she was great. And, and the funny thing was she was, you know, obviously very tired after, during the workout. So she'd always – she'd have the baby there and the little carriage and the, and the bleachers. So every time she got tired, instead of being like, oh, I'm tired, and need a water break, she'd be like, oh, let, let me let me go check on Layla really quick. I'm like, she's fine. She's not crying. What are you, what are you talking about? You know, she'd be like, let me check on her. I'm like, all right. I'm not going to say none of that. So, um and then, you know, she hired me in the next three or four years, and uh, we had a great, great run. And uh, Skylar Diggins, a good amount. And then actually recently, AZ Fudd, who I think is, you know, could be one of the best players we've ever seen. I know she's a senior in high school, but I've never seen someone quite like her uh, in my life. She's she's committed to UConn, and she was getting a play of the year as a sophomore two years ago. Uh, um, so, yeah, it, listen, women are great to work with because they, they, they listen right away. They're so fundamentally sound. They don't talk back. Um, so I, I love work with, with, uh, women and, and girls. That's awesome. And what, how, how, what's it been like, you know, Rob, during this, you know, this time you were in, in the middle of, of COVID and, and working with working out and training. I mean, how, how's, how's that whole, how's that been for you as, as a, as a trainer? Have you had to do things virtually? Have you, you know, what's it been like? Yeah, definitely different. Yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, definitely. had, you know, I won't say summer off, but it was definitely instead of guys be coming to me in LA, you know, twenty players and just banging out three months, I, they were staying home, wherever they were from originally. So I'd have to go to New Orleans, to Cleveland, to New York, where you know wherever it was, Florida, to see these guys. So it was much more sporadic, five days here and there. Definitely wasn't doing as much training as I would have ordinarily, like you know anybody else in their jobs. Um, so yeah, it was it was much more of an effort, much more of a, the unknown. And I didn't really start training guys, you know, really till, you know, July, August, when you, usually it's May. There's no pre-draft last year because everything was virtual. So even this year, we don't know what's going to happen. You know I mean? I don't know what the NBA teams are going to allow. I don't know if they're going to have a pre-draft process this year. Obviously, it's not going to be a summer league again in Vegas. Um, but I think I think the goal is to get back to normal schedule after this year. So I think Adam Silver wants to have the finals, I think, in, I want to say, July and start up again had the Olympics and start up again in October. I think that's the goal. It's going to be tough. It's going to be really scrunched together, but you know, we'll see. Planning your next corporate event or need branding apparel for your business? RushorderTees.com is Philadelphia's home for custom apparel. Rush Order Tees can handle any order on any deadline. Give them a call today at 1-800-620-1233 or art designing online in their state-of-the-art design studio at rushordertees.com. Well, we're really fortunate to have Rob Mack on our 76 Capital Leadership Series. Again, follow Rob at Rob Mack NBA on Twitter, someone that you should definitely follow. And, you know, one of the things I mentioned earlier is not only just a basketball trainer for the greats, whether it's Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, John Wall, Steph Curry, Kevin Love, but he's also the author of the, the book Network. And Rob, I mean, I, I really enjoyed your book. I love the fact that you kind of broke it down with, the, you know, the three different areas from, you know, and, and the power of networking and how that how that all works. Um, maybe you could share share with our audience a little bit about your book, and and we can kind of dive in some of the stories. I love the stories you and Steph going to your, you know, to China and all those different things yeah, you've yeah. done. You have a, you have great stories in there. 
the book thing came came pretty fast. I've been wanting to do one for a while, um, but I really never wanted to make it about me. You know, as you know on Instagram, with that guy to to post everything and say that I made this guy better, just not who I am. And maybe something I should have done, and maybe, you know, I had more followers and all that. But it's just not something I do. I don't take credit for anybody, and I always like to get credit and want to give me that credit. Um, so the book thing, I was kind of up and down with. I, there was came a time some publishers approached me, agents approached me book agents and said, you got to do a book, you know? Um, so I made it clear. I wanted to make it sure it wasn't how great I am. I want to make it about the players, the process, the ups and downs, make them look like real human beings, which they are get into the fun stories as, as, as you read. Um, so I decided to do it. Uh, Simon Schuster came in and said, we want to publish your book and all that. So I was very happy with that. And, um, you know, Seth Davis came on as, as a ghostwriter for me, which was great. And, um, you know, we interviewed every player, every GM, you know, almost every GM, agents. Um, so that was really cool to kind of, you know, even with Derek Rose, we, we sat down for two hours, you know, went over stories and got emotional, you know, and stuff he's been through, you know, with his body, mentally, and things like that. And, um, you know, so to, to go from, you know, talk about when I went to high school in Rhode Island to, to training, you know, five of six MVPs at one point uh, was really, really cool. So, the book is just kind of, it's an easy read about stories about um, these players, you know, what they do behind the scenes, uh, what they do in the off season, you know, what they go through when they have a bad injury, what they go through when they're the best player in the world one year, like a Derrick Rose MVP to, you know, not really playing a lot for five years, you know, in and out, you know, that's, that's, that's quite a lot to take mentally. So, uh, you know, like you said, all the Asia trips to Steph have been there with Steph about five times have been, I make a tour in, in Europe with KD and been to China with Derek Rose twice. Um, been to Asia with K Love. So I've been lucky to be in a lot of these trips and, and see what's really like to be them. And yeah, there's a lot of great things to it, but also, you know, it's, it's a lot of pressure, you know, you, you always got to be on, but you know, that's what they asked for and that's what they're going to have to do. But, uh, you know, we and you have a bad day. We can go in our office and go on our phone and I gotta, you know, they, they got to go out and smile, talk to the media and shake hands and sign autographs and, you know, one little mistake nowadays <laughs> with social media, you know, your career could be over. So it, it kind of what's it's always the books about network. Well, I mean, you know, one of the things you, you talk about is is one of the stories with with Steph, and you mentioned, you know, going going to China. Um, yeah, what was it yeah. like when you you sort of set foot there with him, and what, what was the reaction of the people when they saw when they got to see him? Yeah, that, yeah I mean, that, I think the first year that we went was. Um, the year after he won MVP. And, you know, we, we took the Under, under Armour plane, which is, you know, cool and convenient. And uh, we landed, I forget where, I think maybe Shanghai or Beijing or something. And to get up that plane and, and see, like, the people just high, you know, at the fence at the airport trying to get to him. And, and Steph's so great with the fans. He went over and signed autographs for everybody. And he's like, no, 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 you know, you're not doing that right now, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it's a great experience. I ran all the clinics in every city. We'd usually do about four cities every trip. So we'd do two nights in each city, like, you know, Shanghai, Beijing. Then we go like, Taiwan and Korea, um, a couple times with the Philippines. Um, but, I mean, I've been with D. Rose, and he's right up there, too. But Steph is, is beloved there, I mean, big time. And we met with Yao Ming one time, and Yao had a great point. He said, you're the most popular player here. Steph's like, how is that possible? You know, you have LeBron, you have Kobe. He said, because you're six, you're six three and lanky and skinny, and you know, we can these these people here can relate to you. It was a valid point, you know. I mean, 
there's no one in overseas, overseas Asia that looks like LeBron James, right? So you can't really grow up in China to say, I want to be LeBron James. You know, you, you Steph Curry, you, you're lanky, you look skinny, you look not as strong and powerful guy like LeBron. Um, so I thought that was a pretty, pretty good point. You know, you don't really think of, but you could actually look at Steph and being a Chinese little kid and be like, I can be him one day. You know, so and again, Steph is so good with the fans. It's it's just who he is. He's you know, I know everyone says he's this great guy and all that. It's it's times ten. I mean, that's looks in the eye. I mean, he's such a great leader. And that culture he's created at Golden State is all because of him. No one else. All because of him. That's amazing. That's amazing to hear. And, you know, I know that, Rob, you also, you know, you mentioned Derek Rose a couple of times and you've had a really special relationship with him uh, throughout his career. I mean, the ups, the downs, I mean, and and the fact that he's, you know, he's still doing it. He's still out there, yeah. still fighting. I mean, what does that, what does it take for, for someone like that to to continue to to just come back and come back and keep fighting? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot to do with how he was raised. I think, you know, he saw his mom raised. I think for, you know, four kids, uh, four brothers uh, on their own, and you know, living in, in 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 you know the bad area of Chicago. I think he knew early on how to fight, and all his brothers are older. And Reggie did a great job of, of really, you know, being real with him. Um, so I think when when everything was so great for you know in high school and college and, and you know, rookie of the year and MVP, and all of a sudden it was like bang. You know, when you take your ACL, you usually come back. You know, usually pretty fine, but you know. Then his other knee went, and this went, and this went, and his hips went, and ankles went. Um, so that's a blow. And, and for him to push through like that, I mean, it's amazing. Not only to push through, but to come back and average, you know, 18, 20 a game, you know, last year, whatever it was, um, is, is amazing to me. And now it's, it's crazy. We talk about it all the time. How he's kind of like the OG now. You know, he's on these teams, and he's he's the veteran. You know, he's the guy that people are going to. And, you know, the Knicks is great right now. He's helping these young players. Um, he, the first thing he said, I think he did rather when he landed in New York last week or whatever, when he got traded, um, is that he sat down with quickly and the kid Toppin and at dinner and said, whatever you guys need, I, I'm here for you. You know, so it's kind of really cool to see him taking that role, but he's still a, a great role on the court too. You know, so I don't think as many guys that could have done what he did. He had the money to go retire and live a great life. Um, so to push through like that in this what, 12th year now is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, one of the big things that we talk about in our Seventies Capital Leadership Series, we talk about a lot of the different, you know, the, the, the kinds of traits that make these guys great on the court or on the field, whether that's the passion, the desire, the drive, the persistence that it takes, you know, to consistently get back up after getting knocked down or getting injured. And, that, and, and those similar kinds of traits that are then – you know, incredibly, you know, that are transformable or the same kinds of traits that you need to have to be successful as an entrepreneur, as a business person. Um, if you want to be, you know, an amazing business person, you need to have all those kinds of traits. And one of the amazing things is, is that, you know, these these athletes and especially these these NBA players are playing at the highest of levels. They're doing these things from a mental perspective at the highest of levels as well. And you've gotten to see that um, across so many different guys. And I think that what, you know, you're describing with with Derek and how he's now, you know, looking to help these younger players is something that's mm -hmm. ab absolutely incredible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's uh, and, he, and he enjoys it. That's the thing. Like he, He's the one, you know, initiating that. And, and it's really helped the teams he's been on. Um, and he knows his role. And, you know, most guys, you know, most guys want MVP in a, every 20 game would just be like, I want to start. I better start. Go to the media or tweet about it or something. He's just like, 
hey, whatever you need me here, you know, I, I'm here. Uh, whatever you want me to do, I'm here. I'll finish the game, I'll end the game, I come off the bench, I'll start. That's, that's literally how he is, you know. And so he's, he's in a great place in his life. He has three great kids, a uh, great girlfriend, and, um, you know, he's really he's really grown up a lot in the last 10 years. Like, just mentally, I'll take care of his body and all that. And, uh, you know, I'm really proud of him. One of the things that I think also really comes through in, in your book, and again, make sure that you take a look at Rob, Rob Mack's book, uh, Network, you know, training the NBA's best and finding the keys to greatness, um, I think is, is, you know, also talk about the, you know, your relationship with these, with these guys, um, you know, and, and I think it was really special to, to read about, you know, your relationship with Kevin Love and all the things that he's gone through. Yeah. Um, you know that that must have must have been in, must have been really um, must have been tough. Yeah, I mean, well, the funny thing is, you know, I didn't really know what he was going through, and that's kind of the point that he's when he came out with it. Um, you know, the play tribute article he came out, and and the point the way he did it was kind of surprising to me because you would think he tells people in a circle, but that was as he said. I asked him this, and he said well, that's the point of the article. Like, I don't want to tell anybody. Like, then I knew it was close to me. I'm. I'm I'm Kevin Love, you know, I'm a world champion. I'm Olympic gold medalist. You know, I have all this going on. I'm powerful. Nothing's wrong with me, you know, and it's almost like he didn't want to let people down, you know, that he had anxiety and depression, all that. So that was the point of everything that I didn't want to tell anybody. So here it is. I'm telling everybody. Um, so I was really proud of him for that. And, you know, you think maybe the article came out, that was it. And that was just the beginning of this avalanche of people coming out, you know, DeMar DeRozan, um, I think Kevin sat down with Carson Daly said he was, you know, depression and uh, Michael Phelps said he was suicidal and all these, all these, these people that we look up to every single day, um, go through some of the stuff that normal people go through. And that, that was the point of everything. And now Kevin is, I mean, this is going to be a part of his career from what I can see after, after he's done playing. I mean, he's spoken at Harvard and Stanford, all these schools and, um, and, and really given a good outlook and, it's and giving people the, the, the right to say, it's okay, man. You know, it's okay. No matter what it's, we all go through, a, as the article was called, we all go through something, you know, and uh, people think that those guys don't, you know, and I think someone, someone tweeted at DeMar DeRozan, like when he came out and said he was de very depressed, like, how are you depressed? Like you play in the NBA, you make 40 million a year. You know, he's like, I don't care about that. You know, I grew up with nothing, you know, like I've still got to go home at night. You know, I might park my Lamborghini, but I still go home at night, you know, and be depressed, you know. So none of that stuff matters. And, and I think they realize that more. I think when you come in the league in 2021, that's all you think about is, is the monetary stuff. But I think as, as they got older, they started to say, man, this means this means nothing, you know, when, when I don't have my head right. You know, so Kevin's helped, Kevin's helped a lot, a lot of people, a lot of people. They probably saved a, a lot of lives, honestly. Well, you know, Rob, one of the things that, you know, you talked about, you mentioned this earlier is, you know, your book, as well as all the things that you get to do, you, you, you see these, these guys behind the scenes. Um, you, you kind of see them at their, at their most vulnerable points. You see them at their highest of points when they're, you know, winning championships or traveling around the world for, for Nike or Under Armour. You know, what are some of the other stories or, or things that you'd, you'd love to share with us, you know, is what it's been like to, you know, be behind the scenes, be with these, with these, with these athletes at, in these different moments. Are there some sort of special stories or things that you'd like to share? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I was at, I was at game seven of the finals, Warriors, Cavs, and uh, I actually got lucky. I was in the NBA suite, you know, with Adam Silver and everybody. And, um, you know, Kevin obviously won the championship that year with the Cavs and, you know, he's on the court and he says, come down. 
So I run down, you know, as fast as I could. And, you know, they're running into the locker room and everyone's trying to get in. Jamie Foxx and, and Usher and all this stuff. And it's me, you know. And Kevin says, get him in. And they yank me in. And next thing you know, you know, I got I got rosé all over my body. I, I'm hugging him. I'm, I got a bottle down my down my mouth. I'm doing, you know, it was just like, and I'm thinking, what is, what is this? What that? What and it was Father's Day too, and I was like, my, I think maybe my first, second Father's Day, and I, I looked my kid in the eye, and I told, him, I said, Ella, listen, I said, not many Father's Day are gonna beat this. I'm sorry, you know, but uh, you know, but it was just, I just couldn't believe what I was going through. You know, I was like, well, I'm in the championship locker room with Kevin Love right now. You know, um, but the other side of it, I was training Steph. You know, and this guy had one of the worst losses of his career, um, but. The Steph story is even even greater because he said to uh, a good friend of mine who was Under Armour, you know, he said, "Hey man, it's a tough." It's right after the game, uh, you know, most guys would be kicking a chair or just want to talk to nobody. He said, "Now you know what? I lost the game, we lost the championship, but I'm gonna go home, have a glass of wine, hang out with my with my wife, hang out with my child. And it's Father's Day. It's a great day." So I was like, "Well, <laughs> you know, like talk about perspective. It's, it's unbelievable, you know." So. Um, when I heard that, I was like, "Well, wow, this guy." I mean, I knew he was, he was great, but yeah, we lost the game, you know. But I'm going home with my my healthy family, see my daughter, have a glass of wine, and enjoy Father's Day, you know. And I was like, "Jeez, are you serious?" Like, I felt bad for myself at that point. <laughs> so, um, but it, that was just a cool moment for me because it, it kind of like me and Kevin have been through a lot, and he had a lot of injuries as well. And he, you know, people said he was too heavy to play in the league and 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 not be able to last and this and that. He changed his body. I gave him all the credit for that with the nutrition and stuff. Um, you know, and he's one of my best friends in the world, regardless of basketball, I mean, and he's my son's godfather. So we're, you know, we're very, very close. And um, that was a moment I'll definitely never never forget. He was, out of all the guys that trained, he was the first one to actually win a championship. I mean, I guess Seth was too, but as far as from the beginning of having all those guys, you would think like Kevin would have been first, Durant or Russell and all the MVPs, but it was, it was Kevin Love. Wow, wow. I mean, then you think about, you know, you, all, all these different players that you've had the opportunity to work with and train and, um, you know, they get, you talked about how, you know, Derek Rose has gone from team to team to team. These guys get traded. Uh, John Wall, another one who just got traded. Right. I mean, you know, what's it like, you know, when you talk with them about this, I mean, from a, you know, do, do they talk with you about, you know, going from this team to that team, I have to do this differently. You work with them in a different way or how, do, how does that all play out? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm definitely a, a soundboard for these guys. Um, we talk about every, you know, everything. Um, but I, I think, listen, the league's changing a lot. The players that run the they run the league now, as you know. Um, you know, so the guys at that level are going to kind of go where they say they want to go most of the time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we kind of – they definitely ask me advice. Or not even advice, just more like you think I fit in this system or this coach or these players kind of thing. Um but then I have, you know, I got other calls like, oh, man, my girl just broke up me kind of calls, you know. So they they, they, they vary. They vary a lot, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, the, the league's different now, and it's, it's tough. It's like these rosters are different every year, you know. So for these fans, it's tough to follow a team because it's a different roster every year. I'm not even being dramatic, but most of the teams are different. And new guys come in the league, and new guys are going forever, you know. I mean, talking about this, there was somebody, Pablo Soul, like, just out of the league. You know, just just gone. The Hall of Famer. No one even talks about it. Just like basically didn't make a team this year. And so, um, it's, it's a new league. The young guys are running this league right now. Besides the guy in LA, twenty three. But 
Um, I think the NBA is in good shape, but it's definitely different now when with these all stars and these superstars asking for trades and and getting it. And it's it's a it's a time where I don't know where it's gonna go. So it's only kind of happening in football now too. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, you look at like Brooklyn this year, right? Where Kevin Durant is, right? I mean, what a what a what a roster, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, and the amount of points that they're putting up, and oh yeah, oh yeah, they're gonna be tough to beat. They won six in a row now, and and they're just kind of coasting. I think, I think those guys know that they don't need to be a one seed. You know, if they're two or three, four seed, they're not worried about anybody. So they're 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 gonna be a tough team, and they can defend a little bit too, and um. They, they they work together. They really do work. Well, they stay healthy. It could be it could be scary. So is there one is there one move or was there one thing that you kind of work on across all the different players that you that you sort of see like you see Kevin one of the Kevins whether it's Duran or Love make a move and you're like yeah that's the thing we work on all the time. Or, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm a big step back guy. I'm a, I'm a big guy with creating space. So I think no matter what position you're in uh, on the court, you can actually step back with its mid post, high post, three point shooting. It's a tough, tougher shot as you move further out. Obviously, with step back and more balance, more strength in your legs. But Kevin was a good example of love of of doing that early on. I mean, he came in the league as a post player, and as as the NBA evolved, you know, he had to kind of set the inch out to the foul line, 18 feet three-point line and he was more of a three-point shooter in Cleveland he sacrificed a lot numbers and all that stuff and uh but now if you don't you know if you can't create space now in this league make a jump shot you're not gonna stay in the league very long just this is what it is you know and um you know Philly's good but if Ben Simmons can't make a jump shot or free throw it's gonna be tough to win a championship you know it's gonna be tough that Deanna can do that just just is and the playoffs is different the defense is different the scout report is different so I mean, Brooke Lopez is a good example. I trained Brooke on and off his whole career, going back to the OA draft, him and Robin. And after, I don't know, three years ago, he didn't have a team. He was a free agent. He was a little worried. So he decided that's someone to hire me in, in L.A., and we just worked on three-point shooting. Seven foot one. That's all he wanted to work on. And he could shoot. It sounded like he came in and I had this exposure. I mean, I knew I knew Brooke very well. He, he's a very good shooter, but he never didn't shoot a ton of threes in his career. But he could he could make it, you know. But he had to work on it, so he signed a minimum deal of like two million dollars in Milwaukee. And that summer before he went to Milwaukee, it's all we did like five days a week for a good ten weeks. And he goes to Milwaukee, and he kills it. And he's making threes left and right, pop and space in the floor. And and then that next summer he signed for fifty four million. You know, so if he didn't work on his game, he didn't really extend his game. Yeah, he might be in the league, but he'd be a minimum guy the rest of his career. So the game is changing, and, and my training has, has had to change um, a decent amount with, with guys like that and be able to shoot and, and working on stuff, you know, that, that perimeter floor. And even college coaches now are starting to, you know, really recruit guys that can shoot, you know. So it's changed across the board. I mean, Steph really changed everything. She changed the game. Yeah, there was nothing, there was nothing like – a guy like Steph, I mean, you, the way he would shoot from all over, the, you know, no matter where, no matter where he was, right? Unbelievable. I mean, it's, I don't, in my lifetime, I'll, I'll never see a better shooter than him. I mean, not only can do it with the catch, he can do the, you know, shots. You know, he, he, he takes shots all the time. The coaches, you know, those shots are like, don't die. What are you doing? Oh, good shot. You know, like good shot. Um, he, he's, he's ridiculous. It's, it's next level stuff. Next level stuff. Well, has there been uh, is there someone out there today or that you would love to train or you'd love to work work with or think you could really really help? Is there? Is... That's a heck of a question. Um, it, it, 
Ben Simmons is one guy I've always wanted to work with. Um, Zion, I think I could, I would love to work with. You know, Zion's really, really good, obviously, um, but he doesn't have many moves. You know, it is he, he bullies people and all that, and that works fine. But he really need, I think he needs to expand his game a little more. He can't just keep bullying people and all, you know, all the time. And work, you know, and it's gonna be a point that the athleticism is not there anymore. You know, and or it's not as much as it was there. Like Blake Griffin right now, his athleticism is not as, as there what it was with the Clippers, and he's struggling right now. You know, luckily he can, became a better shooter, but Zion's gonna have to over time, you know, definitely expand his game. So I know for all the, you know, Philadelphia 76ers fans out there, they keep hearing, you mentioned Ben a couple times, Ben Simmons, yeah. right? I mean, you, th- you think you can make him into a shooter? <laughs> um, I mean, I think I can help Ben only because I, I, I experienced with John Wall, Westbrook, and Rose, and those three guys couldn't really shoot when they came into the league. I'm not, again, I'm not taking credit, but I, I know what it takes, and, and I know – you can't just change your shot. I mean, he's he's kind of trying to change his shot. And with, with Derek, Kevin, and John, um, I'm sorry, Derek, Russell, and John, I wouldn't let them shoot a three in a workout for two years. I said, let's master the 15-feet spot for a 17-feet spot and then move it out year two, year three, year four, and finally we'll get to the three. You know, by year six, that's fine. Um, and I know Ben's working on threes now every summer, but you can't go there yet. Let's master the mid-range first and then move it out. If you can't, if you can't master mid-range, why the heck do you think you can master – out there and he's not confident with choosing three now even when he shoots a three he's not confident doing it and i need him i would need him to be confident shooting 80 footer before he's confident shooting a three um but it, it takes time like a good example is in derrick rose 50 points a couple years ago in minnesota it was very emotional he was crying the minneapolis tribune called me and said what did you do last summer you know with him i said i said that game took 12 years <laughs> that game took 12 years of training not one summer you know and and that's what it was, and, it's, and I meant that. It wasn't just one random summer before year eleven, you know. It, it was it was everything. I met Derek, and he was sixteen years old. You know, that's when I started training him, sixteen, seventeen years old. So, it took you know twelve, thirteen years of training to get to that game of two fifty points. Well, I think it's really interesting, and I know you talk about this in your book, Network, about you know you just exactly what you just explained. You get you get good at your mid range before you go what you know you go out to the three. I mean, I think that's really important. So, Patient. You know, for, for, you know, I think that that's patience is, is a great, a great word, you know, a great thing to really think about. So how do you, you know, when you talk with, you mentioned earlier, the, um, the young woman who's going to, who's going to uh, Connecticut um, yeah. and, and you, you work with kids that are in, you know, middle school, high school, right? I mean, you work with the young kids. What do you, what do you tell them? Like, you know, they, when they're, when they go out there and they're standing out there at, you know, NBA three range and trying to throw it up like Steph and, and you're like, yeah. I mean, I just, yeah, I mean, I tell them what I kind of went through. I, I I was doing that, you know, I was, you know, 14, I'm shooting, I'm making threes, but next thing you know, I'm 16 years old, I'm shooting from my hip and I changed my shot. And, and the funny thing is, you know, you and I grew up, we want to go to the court and the outdoor gym, and outdoor court, and we want to go up and try to, try to dunk, right? I don't know about you, but at least I yep. <laughs> so, I did too. I did too. Yeah, yeah. So now kids, they come out to the court, they want to hop up 30 footers. You know, it's the opposite because it's the, it's the Harden effect. It's the Steph Curry effect, Clay Thompson effect. So it's just a whole different generation. I really think in 15 years we're going to see ridiculous shooters because that's what kids want to do now. They want to shoot. They don't want to dunk on people anymore. It's, it's it's crazy. So to answer your question, I mean, I just tell them, listen, Steph Curry, Ray and Reggie Miller are all true. And I, I can sit there and say I train Steph and I can tell you what he does, you know. Um, and he starts from two feet out. 
Then he goes four feet out, six feet out. You know, he doesn't come in the gym at 8 a.m. and start hooking up threes. He warms up and, and he makes 50 from here, 50 from, 50 from here. We're half hour in, we haven't shot him three yet. You know, so if he can do that and be patient, you can do it. And I just tell them, you know, once you can master not only shooting a 15-footer, but shooting it from here, not down here, and using the legs, then, then we can talk. But until then, I tell, I tell kids in high school, don't even shoot a three until you're 16, until you're maybe a junior, you know, unless you're mature body-wise. But most kids can't. They would say, I can reach it. It went in. I'm like, yeah, you shot for me a knee. <laughs> you know, use all arms, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm going through that you know, with my son now. And, you know, he's only five, but, you know, he's, he's, he's screwed. I mean, he's got an NBA trainer. Everyone's got, he's got no choice. But, you know, I always tell him, you know, here, it's here. You know, like, Clay, just don't bring it down. I made it. I'm like, yeah, you shot from here. So every kid's the same, but but it's a different day and age. I mean, it really is. Every kid wants to shoot threes now. It's, it's crazy. It really is. It's, it's a lot, a lot's changed. And you've seen a lot. And it's really great to have you. Um, you know, on our 76 Capital Leadership Series. I mean, Rob, I really appreciate you coming on. I think we could have this conversation all day. Yeah. Um, I, I love all the things that you've done. I mean, as you've mentioned, you've talked about, you know, training Derek Rose and Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, John Wall, Steph Curry, Kevin Love, and the list goes on. Uh, loved hearing your story of, you know, making the team at, you know, at, at Syracuse, walking on, graduating in 2001. Um, you know, that relationship that you had with with Jim Beheim and and all the different coaches and, and, and players that you played with has really, you know, been amazing within your career. It's all about what you talked about from, a, you know, you talk about in your book network. It's about relationships. It's about building those relationships, whether that's on the court, off the court. Uh, you've, you've given some some great advice to our, you know, our listeners and viewers out there and really appreciate it. And Wish you and, and your family the, the best of luck out there and stay safe through all these times. And, and hopefully we'll get a chance to, to get together in person soon. Yeah, hopefully. And I really appreciate having me on. And, uh, you know, good luck with your family, too. And hopefully we uh, can hang out soon. Absolutely. Well, this has been great having Rob Mack on our show. Again, follow Rob Mack at Rob Mack NBA and tune in to all of our 76 Capital Leadership Series shows across all the different social media networks out there as we bring on the top entrepreneurs, athletes, as well as executives in the sports industry who are really moving things forward and pushing things forward and trying to make this world a better place. Stay with us for all of our different shows. Again, Rob, thanks so much. And we'll talk soon. Thanks, Wayne. Appreciate in Philadelphia, reputation is key. No one knows that better than RushOrderTees.com. RushOrderTees has proudly printed high-quality custom apparel in Philly since they started in 2002. They take printing as seriously as their love for Philly sports, cheesesteaks, and that statue outside the art museum. No matter the order size or deadline, RushOrderTees has you covered. Start your design today online or give them a call at 1-800-620-1233. RushOrderTees.com, Philadelphia's home for custom apparel. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the 76 Capital Leadership Series with our managing partner, Wayne Kimmel, sitting down with NBA trainer Rob Mack. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. We're looking forward to welcoming you back again soon.